Hey everyone, welcome back to Tooth and Claw, a podcast about true stories of wild animal attacks told by the wildlife biologist Wes Larson. So this week's story. (laughs) Every story we've covered so far has been upsetting to one degree or another. Uh, This week's episode is particularly violent, so if you're at all squeamish or you like to put us on for your children as they drift off to sleep, maybe don't do that this time around. Maybe don't do that second thing ever, actually. But yeah, this story has it all. An attack, adventure, legal and relationship twists and turns. We think you're really gonna like this one. Also, a huge shout out to all of you who have written in with questions. We see them all, and unfortunately we can't get around to answering them all. But we do appreciate you, and we see all of you. You can send all your messages to our Instagram account, Tooth and Claw Podcast. Again, that's Tooth and Claw Podcast on Instagram. Thanks to everyone who's liked and subscribed to the podcast as well. And if you haven't done that yet, just know that we're grateful to you for listening anyways. But uh, do it, because it helps us out a lot. It really does. Thank you. Let's get on to the episode, this time on The Chimpanzee. Hey guys, Tooth and Claw podcast here. We got Mike, Jeff, and Wes. We're back. Coming at you live. (laughs) Um, Wes was just showing us a movie where there's people on death row that just get sent to be attacked by dinosaurs. Yeah, uh, Jurassic Games was the name of the movie just kind of stumbled on it the other day we haven't watched it yet truly good yeah we're gonna watch it probably right after this yeah looks like the citizen kane of movies (laughs) um speaking of movies we just finished with our annual uh, lord of the rings marathon where we watch all three extended editions back to back to back Every year, Mike and Jeff try and convince me that Pippin is a better character this than Mary. This was a big year for us. And you know what? I think they accomplished Circle this year, finally. We're, we're turning things around. I, I will say, I, you know, in the books, in the books Mary is still my favorite. In the movies, I'm starting to see why you guys prefer Pippin to Mary. I do think it's kind of unfair that we're pitting them against each other in the first place. But Mike especially has very strong feelings yeah. about this. <laughs> So anyway, we did just finish that. Uh, We've been spending a lot of time together. We, as we mentioned before, all got sick together last week, and now we're back to pretty much normal. Working on Tooth and Claw. I gave it to Wes and Mike when we were editing. Yeah, exactly. I had a bowl of ice cream, and Wes just couldn't help himself. Yeah. (laughs) So So we're really really sacrificing life and limb. Yeah, we're all feeling good again. We're doing good. Totally. Today's story is very different from the other stories that we've told in that it involves a wild animal that was brought into someone's home as a pet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is just a doozy. <laughs> Today's story, <laughs> is, I buckle mean, up. buckle oh, yeah. up. Yeah, because it is brutal and there are twists and turns. What Samuel Jackson say in Jurassic Park? Hold Put on, on your butts. your seatbelts. <laughs> Hold on to your butts, because this is a good one. Yeah, and, and just like a little trigger warning, I guess, for some of you guys. We've gotten into some pretty grisly details on this podcast. This one, this one kind of takes it to a new level. So if you do have little kids or whoever that's listening, you might want to skip this one. They'll while be they're, all right. I don't think they will. <laughs> but it's a good one. I mean, it's a really great story. The title of the article that I read is actually um, the worst story that I've ever heard was the name of the article. It was an article in Esquire. It's a really great article. It was written by Rich Shapiro in 2009. 
Again, the title is the worst story I've ever heard. So if you really want to dig into the story after we talk, go ahead and access that because it is truly a crazy well, story. Well, we've got our butt seatbelt. Okay, you're holding on to your butts. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we are talking about Mo the Chimpanzee. So in the mid-60s, we're in West, Cov- West Covina, California, and our two main protagonists of the story are this guy named St. James. That's his name. Uh, his last name's Davis. And the woman's name is LaDonna. So they're high school sweethearts. St. James is this tall, kind of impressively built dude. And she's kind of a quintessential California girl. She's like blonde and and pretty and like in the 60s, kind of they're living this idyllic 60s California lifestyle. Uh, He's really obsessed with building hot rods and cars. And they're dating throughout high school. And then after years of pressure in 1966, St. James finally agrees to marry LaDonna. He's reluctant because he's so obsessed with cars and he's worried that marriage might put a wedge into this hobby that is such an obsession for him, but he decides to get married. So when their wedding day finally comes, he doesn't show up. Leaves her alone at the altar in front of all the family and friends. And his excuse was he was just working on one of his cars and never left the car. So they're in a pretty small city, and that's a terrible excuse. Yeah, that's like <laughs> he not just, even... I mean, he got cold feet. Is yeah. essentially what happened. Right. They're in a small city, and word gets out about this wedding. You know that he left her there, and and it kind of turns into this gossipy thing, and he can't really escape it. And it's like the worst time of his life. So he just kind of on an impulse decides to join this merchant ship that's going to sail the world. He has no sailing experience or anything, but he joins on as a deckhand. And they, they leave. They go off on, he goes off on this boat. He doesn't even talk to her before he leaves. He left her at the altar and then gets on the ship. They haven't talked since. So he goes off and the ship actually ends up suffering damage off the, off the coast of Africa. And he's forced to go ashore in Tanzania with the rest of the crew. Now, while they're ashore, he makes friends with some local hunters. And one day he follows them into the bush. And now... I'm going to do like another little kind of disclaimer here. He, this is his story and there's no proof to it, how he got ended up with the chimpanzee, but this is his story. So we're just going to believe him. But some of the details seem a little suspect, but (laughs) that's just a disclaimer. We're going to believe him. We're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. So he finds these local hunters. One day they're out in the bush and he witnesses a group of poachers slaughtering a female chimpanzee that had just given birth. So he returns the next day, and he finds this newborn chimp, and he just decides to take care of it. Uh, He jumps ship, he remains in Tanzania, and over the following months, he does his best to forage for food for the chimpanzees, collecting like fruit and eggs and stuff and water, and he loses drastic amounts of weight, and that, you know, that lines up. Like when he gets home, he's really skinny, and he has open sores from claw marks from this chimpanzee. (laughs) So he's in rough shape. Finally, a local villager who named this chimp Mogambo helped St. James get in contact with some German missionaries, and those German missionaries help him get a flight home, where Mo is just sitting quietly on his lap the whole flight. Mo is what he ended up naming. So he has a pet chimpanzee chimpanzee that he just grabbed in Africa. And that also speaks to how lenient flights used to be. Like It was like a bus (laughs) you just walked on, and he could just have a chimp on his lap, and no one cared. So he's named this chimp Mo from its original name, Mogambo. Uh, when he gets to the airport, his mother and his estranged girlfriend, LaDonna, are both there. His mom's thrilled to see him. LaDonna is just seething. She's pissed off at him. She hasn't seen him since the day before their 
plan. How long has it been? It's been months. And she refuses to talk to him. But his mom gives him a big hug, and his mom totally falls in love with this baby chimpanzee that he brought home. And then his mom is really good friends with LaDonna's mom, and LaDonna's mom starts coming over to see the chimp. And as she comes over, she starts bringing LaDonna, and LaDonna falls in love with the baby chimp, and then she falls in love with St. James again. So they end up getting married in 1970. Um, Guys, take notes. Yeah, if you need to baby get a girl back, monkey, get a baby chimpanzee. Baby ape. They're not monkeys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, they get married in 1970. Mo is the best man at the marriage. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. He's dressed up in a little tuxedo, and he held hands with the flower girl. And then during the reception, I guess he was, like, running across the tables and drinking from everyone's champagne glasses <laughs> and got really drunk and started hanging on, like, one of LaDonna's friends the whole night and then ended up, like, peeing all over her. <laughs> and everyone thought it was, like, the funniest thing they've ever seen in their lives. A year into their marriage, LaDonna goes in for a routine OBGYN visit, and she learns that she has to have a hysterectomy because she has cancer. They had dreamed of having a large family with, like, five kids, and so this news was really life-shattering to them. LaDonna falls into this deep depression, and she even thought that St. James should divorce her so that he could move on and have kids with someone else. But he, at this point, asserts that he's not going anywhere and that they already have a kid, which is Mo the chimpanzee. So they really just double down on making Mo part of their family. He's no longer a pet. He's their child. And he he really falls into that role. They start riding around town on a three-seater bicycle. (laughs) They're eating meals together. Uh, He goes everywhere with them. They would watch his favorite Cowboys and Indians show every night, and then they would fall asleep like with linked arms on the ground. Like some really cute details in this article. Sign them up for the local hockey team. Pretty much, yeah. Would he dress in people's clothes yeah they dressed him every day in like these <laughs> really incredible. funny clothes yeah <laughs> the backwards hat on a chimpanzee's eyes it's good a good call. yeah it's a good move yeah so in 1971 it's been a couple years since they got mo the city of west covina decides to charge the davises with harboring a wild animal and they go to court and mo actually goes to court dressed in a checkered shirt and white pants <laughs> and as he enters the courtroom he kissed the court reporter and like played with the the policeman's keys as he went in, the bailiff's keys. And then the press and the community just have a field day with this. It's like the cutest trial ever. The community is 100% behind the Davises. So much so where like they pretty much say the court had decided the second that Mo entered the room that they were going to let him stay with the family. And they do. And the judge even says that Mo was better behaved than most humans that he had ever met. So the next be like a lawyer for like real cases, (laughs) just like they just dismissed. No, in case dismissed, it's like a double murder. (laughs) You know what? We're gonna go with Mo on this one. (laughs) Great argument, Mo. (laughs) You're you're free. The next years are blissful for the Davises and Mo. Mo's doing things that a young human child would do, and they notice this really deep understanding and innocence in his eyes. He would sleep in their bed. Uh, But when he grew to be about 50 pounds, they started making him sleep in his own room. But he would actually, like hours later, crawl into their bed almost every night. He loved coloring, chasing leaves, playing with erector sets. And he was even featured in a number of TV shows and movies and kind of became a local celebrity in West Covina. Now, at this point, St. James is a mechanic and he's also a NASCAR driver. And so he's kind of become somewhat of a public figure as well. 
And he's also regained his huge build that he had lost while he was in Africa. So he's a really big guy. I think he's like 6'2", and he was a former linebacker. So originally, St. James had planned on giving Mo to a zoo, but they just fell in love with him so quickly that they knew they would never willfully give him up. But ultimately, they'd be forced to. So as Mo got older, his moods and his behavior got more complex, just like in humans. You know, as we get older, our hormones start kicking in and things get a lot more complex. So he would throw tantrums when things didn't go his way, but he also learned some basic sign language. For example, he'd cross his arms over his chest if he wanted a hug, and he'd motion as if he were turning a steering wheel when he wanted to go for a ride. So through his teens and 20s, he continued to be really playful. Are these like ape teens and 20s, or is it like he's actually... This is like in human years. Okay. Yeah. So in captivity, they can live to be like in their 30s, but sometimes they live to be up to their 60s. Oh, wow. But average in captivity is like mid-30s, and in the wild, average is like 15 years. But in the wild, they can still live to be like 52. There's a pretty big range, but the averages are pretty like 15 and 30-something. Anyway, so when he came to the U.S., he was a baby. He was less than a foot long, and he only weighed about 10 pounds. But now in his 20s, he stands four feet tall, and he weighs about 130 pounds. So St. James is doing all this research as Mo is growing older and older, and he's realizing that no matter how docile they are when they're young and no matter how soon they were in human possession, they still almost always become more aggressive as they get older. So um, I think a lot of times when we see chimps in movies, they, they tend to use really young chimps or baby chimps in movies because they're just so cute. And so I think you know we have a kind of a, a misplaced idea of how big chimps actually can get because we tend to see these really small ones they can get really big i mean they stand four feet tall and they can be like up to 160 pounds Uh, it's like your size wes (laughs) that weighs more than me uh but i am a little taller than that anyway (laughs) this peaceful existence in the davis home with mo starts crumbling in 1998 when a welder is repairing mo's cage and a piece of equipment shocked mo unexpectedly So Mo is so spooked that he runs out of the house. The police are called. They have to close off the street. And by the end of the night, Mo's dented a police car. He's injured a police officer's hand, and he's scratched an animal control worker. But he was returned to the Davises after that whole incident. Now, a year later, a woman's visiting Mo, and she has these long red fingernails. And she was told not to stick her fingers in the cage, but she did anyway. And Mo bites off the tip of one of her fingers. Mm-hmm. And the Davises are convinced that he thought it was a piece of licorice because that was a common treat they would give him. But um, at this point, the city's had enough, and they order Mo to be taken away. He's a mature chimpanzee, and there's some debate on how strong they are. I heard everything from like they have the strength of four men to the strength of they have they have the strength of one and a half men. But even if it's one and a half, that's significantly stronger than a human. So they called in a bunch of cops. They swarm the home. St. James comes out and he's like yelling at these cops. He demands a court order. He demands a warrant. They physically restrain him, throw him to the the yard, and then they go in. Animal control people go in, fire two darts into Mo, who's screaming and just freaking out. And they drag him out of the house while St. James and LaDonna are on the yard like sobbing. Because essentially this is their child that's being taken away. And I'm being really kind of forgiving to them. Obviously, it's a terrible idea to have a chimpanzee as a pet. This was the 60s when they got him. They didn't really have the access to information that we have now, and they really bonded with this animal. 
don't ever take a chimpanzee into your home. It's going to become aggressive. But I'm telling this kind of from the more human interest side of the story because it is such a fascinating story. So Moe's taken to a 160-acre refuge for wild animals near Los Angeles. Nine days later, the owner of the facility calls the Davises to let them know that Moe was refusing to eat and that he's dying. So they rush to the facility. They find him on the floor of his tiny cage, covered in his own stool, and he's too weak to even acknowledge them. So a vet comes in, starts taking care of Mo. He starts to recover, and the Davises launch this legal battle to sue for custody of Mo. And this legal battle stretches for years, and they even get pro bono representation from Gloria Allred, who's kind of a famous lawyer who's taken on a lot of really public-facing trials. They're able to create a larger enclosure for him at the rescue facility. They put in a TV, some of his other comforts from home, but they're not allowed to touch him. And when they'd visit, he's signaled for hugs and he'd make that steering wheel sign saying that he wanted to go home. Uh, so it was really heartbreaking yeah, for them. That's awful. Yeah, it's yeah, awful. Be tough. Yeah, and this is after like thir- almost 30 years of them having him as essentially a child. Right. And then he's in this little concrete cage and, you know, really homesick. So in 2000- and he doesn't understand no, he has that no there's court orders and laws and right, stuff. Right, right. Unless well, he's a lawyer, then he would have to. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, he seemed to have his lawyer game on point. He's a pretty smart guy. Okay, so in 2004, they successfully get Mo transferred to an animal haven ranch, which had a much bigger enclosure, and the Davises are now allowed to visit him as much as they want, and they're even allowed to go inside of his cage and play with him. So they'd bring treats and presents for Mo, and all in all, there's seven primates at this ranch, but they all agreed that Mo would live by himself for the first couple years there because it takes a while to socialize for them, and he's never lived with other primates outside of humans, and he's getting pretty old, so it's like, it's hard to teach an old chimp new tricks, essentially. That's the saying. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we always say around here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're, we're to the day. This is a crazy day. So it's March 3rd, 2005. St. James and LaDonna drive to the ranch to celebrate Moe's 39th birthday. They brought a big sheet cake and a bunch of presents and toys for him. And as soon as they got to the ranch, Moe starts jumping and clapping and hooting because he's so excited to see him. St. James goes straight to the cage and he hands Moe some cake and Moe devours it really quickly and gives St. James a big kiss. And the family seems really happy finally. They've had all this time apart. And they're finally in this situation where they feel like it's the next best thing to having Mo at home. This next little bit I'm lifting directly from the article because they go into some pretty crazy detail. So again, just buckle up and I'm going to read it, but then we'll take a little break afterward and we'll talk about what actually happened. So out of the corner of her eye, LaDonna suddenly noticed a large form about 40 feet away. It was a chimpanzee, a young adult male, somehow out of his cage. So again, they're at Moe's cage, but this is another chimp that she sees. And he was glaring at her. The chimp held her gaze for a moment and then charged. St. James rushed to his wife. The animal barreled into LaDonna's back, knocking her into St. James. She wrapped her arms around her husband's neck, but the chimpanzee locked his jaws around the thumb of her left hand. With a single ferocious jerk of his neck, he tore it off. So he tore off her thumb. Oh, wow. St. James threw his hysterical wife under the picnic table and pushed her further underneath as the chimp tried to pursue her. LaDonna was screaming commands, No, stop, sit, in a desperate bid to stop him. The remaining cake was on the table, still in its box, but the chimp didn't go for it. Instead, he went straight for St. James. So is this Mo attacking them? No. So this, this, is, is... this is a wild, a chimp that got out of its cage at that same facility. Yeah. 
As St. James confronted the chimp, the 6'2 former running back, a running back, not lineman, turned to find a second chimp, also a male, this one older and bigger, bearing down on him as well. With both hands, he pushed the bigger animal. Both chimps pounced. One of the animals grabbed him in a bear hug before chomping into the bone above his right eyebrow. He then stuck a finger in St. James' right eye, gouging it out. The same animal clamped his teeth onto St. James' nose, biting it off, as the other chimp chewed away at St. James' fingers. In the melee, one of the chimps dug in his claws and ripped the skin off the right side of St. James' face, causing it to flop over and cover his left eye, temporarily blinding him. Because he already lost his other eye. Right, and then his skin has been peeled off his face, and it's it's flopped over on his other eye. One of the primates sunk his teeth into St. James' skull, He then closed his jaws on St. James' mouth, ripping off his lips and most of his teeth. St. James tried to put one of his hands down the animal's throat, but the chimp just kept chewing on it and chewing on it, and he couldn't pull it out. St. James fell to the ground. It gets worse. No longer able to defend himself, and for at least five minutes the mauling continued as he lay helpless. One of the chimps gnawed on his buttocks and bit off his testicles. They ravaged his left foot, leaving it shredded. Blood poured from his body, and LaDonna was screaming. It looked as if they were eating him alive. Finally, LaDonna's scream drew the owner's son-in-law, Mark Caruthers, who came running with a 45 caliber revolver. After struggling to find a clean shot, he opened fire on the younger primate, and the shot had no apparent effect. And Caruthers raced back to his house, a few dozen yards away, to to reload with more powerful ammunition. When Caruthers returned... He focused on the older male, the prime aggressor. Kneeling down, he shot him once in the head from close range. As the animal fell to the ground, the younger chimp began dragging St. James' mutilated body down a hill leading away from Moe's cage. Dirt filled St. James' lungs, and he seeped into his bloody openings. <laughs> to, to the level of details. And this is him telling the story to this reporter. These, oh, he doesn't man. like telling the story, so this is like one of the oh, only yeah, places he's Oh, yeah, I can imagine it. why. For the briefest of moments, LaDonna looked towards Moe, He was sitting in the corner of his cage, frozen, seemingly stunned. The lone chimp continued tearing at St. James' limp body with his teeth until Caruthers caught up to him and shot him once in the chest, ending the attack. St. James, lying face down, felt the lifeless animal fall on his back. When the paramedics arrived, St. James was still conscious, somehow. His face and body, however, were mutilated beyond recognition. Where his mouth, lips, and nose had been, there was only a bloody hole. Where his right eye had been, there was a pit. Where his fingers had been, he only had stumps or simply gaps. Uh, This is the Kern County Fire Captain Kurt Merrill. I had no idea a chimpanzee was capable of doing that to a human. It looked like a grizzly bear attack. So I mean, we've talked about a grizzly bear attack, and this seems like worse. It's just like, (laughs) to me, reading this, thinking about the fact that a lot of that damage was done with their hands. Yeah. You know, Having an animal get at you with its claws or its teeth is obviously terrible, but just thinking about a, a chimp using its just really strong hands to like gouge out eyes and rip away teeth and stuff, I guess the teeth were with its mouth, but some it's just so, so intense. Yeah. Are they like trying to eat part of them? So we'll talk about that in a second. They were definitely eating a little bit, but I don't know if it was because they were hungry or it was just like kind of a display of dominance. Okay. The chips had escaped because a keeper had forgot to lock their cage. So their aggression, you know, to your question, it could have been from the fact that they're just territorial and they saw these other primates well, in their I territory. Think 
because Mo got birthday presents so and they didn't get any birthday presents. That actually was like one of the reasons <laughs> they said that it might have been a jealous attack because they're just Mo was constantly getting all this attention and yeah. they weren't. Or it just could be rage from them having been mistreated in the past. That worker's uh, probably gonna get a real stern talking to you. Yeah, I think so. I don't even know if they know who it was, but anyway, they're not totally sure why it happened. They're a really complex animal, which we're gonna talk a little bit more about. It was a just a terrible, terrible, brutal attack. Yeah. yeah. So he's taken to the hospital, St. James, and he's put in a medically induced coma. And he underwent dozens of surgeries. Um, he remains in that coma for months. They leave him in the coma for months while they're working on him. And when doctors temporarily brought him out of the coma in May, his first question was, how's Mo? Oh, wow. Yeah. After the attack, St. James is completely dependent on LaDonna. He can't bathe himself. He can't go to the bathroom on his own. He can't even eat without her help. He still has no teeth. He has limited control of his mouth. His vision in his remaining eye is blurry, and he has a swollen, punctured left foot that they're thinking they might have to amputate. How old was he at this point? You said 2005? Yeah, so I'm not totally sure. I think he was around 20 when he left on that boat. So like an older guy at this point. So yeah, he's probably like in his 60s. Yeah. And to be honest, I couldn't find out if he's still around or not. Sure. Um, there wasn't a lot of information after like the late 2000s about this couple. But there's still one twist left in the story. Oh, um, <laughs> if you right. yeah. What what injuries does Ladonna have? She I think she's missing her thumb. Uh, um, yeah. But it, aside like, from that, off, she's right? fine. Yeah, yeah. So he's like missing his pretty much his whole face, uh, and then he's gonna have to have his foot amputated. So Mo is transferred to Jungle Exotics. It's a 60 acre sanctuary in the San Bernardino Mountains, and in 2007, after St. James kind of gets starts recovering a little bit they start visiting him again and they make improvements to his enclosure in his new place and they even start to set up a video camera and a monitor that would let them kind of talk to mo full time but then in june 2008 they get a call from the owner of jungle exotics who nervously tells ladonna that she just went to mo's cage and that mo isn't in it he's disappeared so the couple speeds to the sanctuary and by the time they get there a kind of weird thing is his cage is completely cleaned out. So none of his toys are in there. None of his stuff is in there. It's like totally clean. And that's a little confusing to them. A huge search ensues. It involves helicopters and like national media. The Davises are going out in the mountains in their their minivan every day and like yelling for Mo. And in July, the search is finally called off. Now Mo had broken the welds on his cage and a worker claimed to see him jump the perimeter fence. But the crazy thing is no one's seen him since. Yeah, that's he just completely disappeared. That's really strange because they're social animals, and he was used to people. Yeah. So it'd be weird for him just to disappear and not ever. He like, wouldn't really know how to take care of himself outside, right? And like, if he just went off and died, he was pretty old at this point. Yeah. Someone would have stumbled upon his skeleton <laughs> yeah. by now, right? And yeah. been like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, that's the story that this place is sticking to. I guess it's kind of what we have to accept. I kind of wonder if they didn't sell them or like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't want to like create some sort of Spe- controversy yeah, okay. or speculate or whatever, but I, it doesn't it, make sense. It doesn't make sense that it was like all cleaned out and that it just was like, Oh, Hey, he's gone. You know? And everyone looked for him. Right. Couldn't find for him. a month. And it's like a full grown chimpanzee in a pretty, an area of the country where there's lots of people. And this place that he was at actually worked a lot with like movies and stuff. They would loan their oh, animals out to the movies. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to point any fingers. 
but he completely disappeared and no one's seen him since. This is in 2008. But that's pretty much the end of the story. I do know St. James was still undergoing surgeries, the last article I could find, and that his prosthetics are getting better. But we'll probably share some photos of, of kind of the aftermath of his sure. attack. Yeah. Not really graphic ones, but just ones that kind of show him on his day-to-day. On our Instagram. Yeah, account. on our Cusin Instagram. Claw podcast yep. Instagram account. Great. Yeah, thanks for reminding us. He has like like the Voldemort nose. He's like oh, yeah. missing oh, like a snake. nose, and there's just like the two holes Slipped there. Down. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Michael Jackson. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> All right, so that's the story. <laughs> It's one of the wildest stories I've ever read. I totally advise you guys to read the whole article. Again, it's called The Worst Story I Ever Heard. It was on Esquire. So do you guys have any questions I'm, about the story? I'm just glad Mo didn't attack them. Like the whole time you yeah. were building it up, I thought like, oh man, or this chimpanzee's so cool. Yeah. Like yeah. it sucks it's going to attack him. And then I'm glad that like Mo stayed pretty good chimpanzee. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, <laughs> even, like Mo. Yeah. He even cleaned up after himself it, after he yeah, left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, but that just made the story like so tragic and heartbreaking too because yeah. Mo is like such a victim in all this. Yeah. And also the part that really hurt was that obviously it's bad to have a chimpanzee in your home. They learned that lesson, you know. Did they, they, though? Like, what happened to them from having Mo? Well, the the lady got bit, and they had all these crazy court cases. I don't think they regret it, because yeah. they pretty much it was, like, yeah. their child. Right. But the thing is, like, they had gotten to this point where they had Mo in an enclosure, but they had worked out a good visiting schedule, and they could go sure. see him and play with him, and he could kind of live out a, the, his rest, the rest of his days in, like, a relatively safe environment. Yeah, and then everything just got completely torn apart. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you think about how sad it is when you lose a family pet, like a dog, for instance, that's one of the most tragic things I've ever had to go through. Totally. And that was like a fourteen-year relationship that I had with that animal. Right. This is a forty-year-long relationship with an animal that's fairly, for all intents and purposes, very intimate. It's a with. it's a surrogate child. Yeah. To them. yeah. Yeah. And like again, I don't condone people especially like taking them out of the wild sure. and having yeah. a wild animal in their house but again this is like the 60s when they got him he was a kid he was like 20 years old didn't know better and they probably gave you know him the best possible life that they could have for a captive chimpanzee yeah um, there's definitely people out there that are doing a much worse job than these people did again i we can point fingers all day it's not something good that you should ever you should never take a chimpanzee into your home but it's a crazy story, and it's really tragic and totally heartbreaking. And I hope if Mo's still out there, he's doing great and just having the best possible life without, you know, his family. Okay. Any other questions about the story? No. It's a doozy. Yeah. It's rough. It makes me think. Like, I agree with you. Like, they shouldn't. You shouldn't be able to have a chimpanzee as a pet. But had he not been taken away from him nothing probably would have happened too probably serious. not yeah but you like never the know licorice thing i can see that yeah totally you know okay so a quick little breakdown of chimp biology i'll admit this is an animal i don't know quite as much about compared to the rest of the animals that we've talked about so i'm just going to go through some real basics with you guys they live in the wild primarily in central and western africa they're really social animals they live in large groups those groups can be as big as 150 individuals but within those groups they split into smaller groups that they all have their defined roles so you'll have like a group of males that go and hunt and a group of females that raise the children and they have all these different little 
hierarchies within the big group. And that's actually called a fission-fusion group dynamic. There so are, who named it that? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's an interesting name. Yeah. Um, kind of confusing. Yeah, shouldn't have. They're omnivores. <laughs> They're omnivores, uh, but the majority of their diet is fruit, vegetation, and insects. Uh, for those of you who don't know, omnivore just means you eat vegetation, meat, you pretty much eat everything. However, chimps do hunt other animals, including colobus monkeys and other small mammals. Uh, meat makes up a small percentage of their diet, but some chimps do really become expert hunters. And within their hunting group, they have like ambushers and stalkers, and they have their own little roles, and they're uh-huh. really coordinated. Jeff, I don't know if you remember this. You're probably too young. But when we were pretty young, mom bought me this wildlife series, like a documentary called Trials of Life. Do you remember that at all? No. Okay. But there was one episode that was all about hunting. And I was probably like eight or nine when we got this. And the final segment in the hunting series was this group of chimps that hunt, they hunt down a, a Colobus monkey. Mm-hmm. And it's so brutal. And I was like eight. And it was the first wildlife thing I ever saw that really shook me. Really? Because they hunt down this monkey, and then they're just holding it on the branch. And the monkey's screaming, and the chimp is just, like, eviscerating it and eating its, like, intestines and stuff. While the monkey's just sitting there screaming. And I'm just watching it, and I'm like, oh. Because I think to most people— You probably showed it to, like, little four-year-old me, too. Like, Jeff, come look at this. (laughs) Probably. It scarred me, though, because I think for us, chimps are so similar to us, and they just seem like such a passive, nice animal. And then to see them, like, rip apart a live animal and eat it was just, it was such a departure for me of what I saw them as before that. And it, it was like when you watch a horror movie and, the, like, a little kid is ends up being the killer or something, you right. know? It just seems like this really innocent thing that's capable of this terrible act. Anyway, it's not that it's terrible that they're hunting and stuff. That's obviously just part of their nature. Sure. But to eight-year-old me, it was very scary. (laughs) Okay, so they can weigh anywhere from 60 to 160 pounds. Uh, They get much bigger in captivity. They're stronger than humans. Again, that can be anywhere from 1.5 times stronger to 4 times stronger. That's mostly due to high concentrations of fast-twitch muscles. They live anywhere from rainforest to savanna to dry forests and mountain forests. They're incredibly adaptable talked a little about, about about their lifespan already when they get older their fur gets gray and they age and they even develop bald spots and they actually are our closest relative in the animal kingdom so a common myth about chimps is that we evolved from chimps and that's not true we evolved from a common ancestor okay. but they are our closest living relative they're extremely intelligent they've shown different signs of advanced intelligence including tool use counting cooperation, and even language and culture. Uh, They even laugh and seem to really enjoy tickling each other, which is like you, Jeff. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'd fit (laughs) right in. Yeah, you would. You'd make a perfect chimp. They've been used extensively as medical research subjects, and we've even launched them into space. So we've really, I mean, we've done a lot to chimpanzees. A quick breakdown on attacks. They're really, really rare, but a number of chimpanzee attacks have been documented in the wild, And they actually are increasing as chimpanzee habitat becomes more and more fragmented. Um, They generally occur on these fringes of like the forest where people are doing some sort of agriculture. And that's because a lot of times when these food sources in the forest fail, 
the chimps will start raiding crops. That puts them into direct confrontation with people, and they start attacking people. And they're pretty vicious. There's a number of children that have been stolen out of these villages and completely eaten by chimpanzees. And attacks are often just displays of aggression towards humans because they might see us as competition for these resources. So those attacks, again, are super rare, but they have been increasing. Uh, there's a really cool Nat G article that came out a little while ago about a, a particular village in Uganda that has just constant attacks, or maybe it was Rwanda. Oh, really? Yeah, and then Jane Goodall, who's the really famous chimp researcher, I think it was in the early 2000s, her like favorite chimp, or one of her favorites, it was really used to humans and had, been com- had become really habituated to their presence, was named Frodo. Um, cool name. Yeah, which is a great name for a chimp. But one day Frodo actually grabbed a kid off of a woman's back, a 14-month-year-old baby, and ate it. Um, what? Yeah. Just like right there? Yeah. Whoa. And Did he think he was licorice? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, there isn't much out there about what to do if a chimp attacks you because, again, they're really rare and there's just not a ton of research on it. I had to delve into actual scientific literature to find out this, um, which is what I try to do anyway, just so I'm giving you guys. In a lot of our stories, they try stuffing their arm down their mouth so far. Yeah, this didn't work with (laughs) St. James. So if you encounter a chimp in the wild that seems like it's aggressive, uh, the main thing you, the main thing they say to do is to keep calm, to avoid screaming because they scream at each other when they're aggravated. And then the main thing is like, don't run because that really triggers them. You want to group up, which is really the thing that we've learned in every single animal we've talked about. Grouping up is really effective. And you try and hold on to something stable, whether that's another person or a tree or whatever, because they're going to try and pull you onto the ground, kind of like they did with St. James, and that's where they can really do a lot of damage. That's when they got at his balls and stuff. Yeah, so I don't want that. I no. really got to make some friends. If I ever want to go outside. Yeah. (laughs) So the majority of attacks have been on children and young children. And you should definitely, if you're ever in chimp habitat, don't leave children on the fringes of the forest alone. And another main thing that they talked about is if you're in those areas, you want to have a man in your group because they are, they have these hierarchies in their group systems and the male is always dominant. And so when they, they can realize like a human male versus female, and if they see a male in a group, they think that they might not have a chance to attack and get a kid or whatever. Well, St. James seemed like a pretty manly guy. Yeah, I mean, so th- those weren't wild chimps again. He's like seven feet tall. These yeah, guys. they weren't wild, and there's oh, okay. a million different reasons they might have jealousy, attacked them. The cake, jealousy. Could have been jealousy, could have been territoriality, could have been a lot of other things. It sounded like a good cake. Yeah, it could have been, but they didn't want the cake. Well, they might have ate it all already. No, they the cake was they they mentioned that in the, the story that the cake was on the table. Oh, yeah. They didn't the touch specific, the cake. Yeah. Again, what we're talking about here is wild chimps. When you take an animal like that into captivity, a lot of those rules go out the window. Okay. And that has to do with pretty much any animal that we're talking about. Okay, so that's kind of what you're supposed to do. And if you're actually being attacked by a chimp, they're really from what I found out, there's not really any rules. So I'll ask you guys later what you guys would do, and then I'll kind of explain what I gathered as best practices. All right. Okay. I think I'll nail it. I think you will. (laughs) I think so. That's it for the story and for our kind of rundown on chimp biology. Uh, Again, 
this is an animal that I know a decent amount about, but not I'm not an expert by any means. So if there are any primatologists out there that need to write in and correct us on anything, we're happy to get corrections, and we'll definitely mention them in future episodes. But that's what I could gather from the literature. Okay? All right. Okay, so we're going to launch into our categories. Categories. Um, the story's a little long, so we're going to probably skip one or two of our normal categories. But let's start out with our favorite chimp in pop culture. All right. Yeah, I can start us out. So I want to give an honorable mention to the monkey in Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. I know that not that's a not a chimp, <laughs> but there's not going to probably be a podcast where we can do it. And I just really like that monkey. Totally. That's a capuchin monkey for, um, for reference. So for chimp, I'll just go with Caesar in Planet of the Apes, the new series. I, I actually thought of the first one with James Franco a lot during your story because he takes a chimp as a pet and raises it and like it's actually has like a lot of similar things like yeah. they do really well until it like breaks out and gets angry once and it's just like one freak out saw it took to get it taken away so yeah totally that's a good pick and those are great movies yeah so it yeah. turns out i kind of don't know what a chimp is <laughs> <laughs> i kind of just thought that they were the same thing as like Obviously, the small little pirate monkey is not a chimp. Right. Right? Yeah. Right. That's yeah. a capuchin monkey. Yeah. So I broke my own rule this week. I apologize, everybody. <laughs> right in. I deserve all of your scorn. But I had to look it up on the internet, and I found a couple of good ones. Bubbles has come up, Michael yeah. Jackson. But that reminded me of Bubbles in Dragon Ball Z. Which okay. is basically just Michael Jackson monkey in an anime. And that makes me sound incredibly dweeby. Um, so I'm not going to go with either of those. Okay. I am going with, shoot, Diddy Kong isn't a... No, he's... Oh, he's he a, a gorilla. Chimp? He's a gorilla. Because he has Diddy a... Kong is? Well, we don't know. He's got a long tail. He has a tail. So he's probably a monkey, actually. Okay. Because yeah, gorillas and chimps monkey. don't have also, tails. Also... The rare moment for me to teach a little, maybe. Uh -huh. uh, bonobos are a subspecies, I Bo think. Bonobos. No, bonobos. they're a fully different species. They're fully different. Oh, yeah. You just got taught. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Learning opportunity provided by me. Yeah. But I was going to say the electronic artist, Bonobo. Okay. <laughs> uh, particularly his Black Sands EP. I could be wrong about them being a subspecies, but I'm pretty sure they're their own species. Okay. Well, like 90% sure. Uh, but they look just like chimpanzees. They're both, so chimpanzees are pan troglodyte is their um, Latin name, and bonobo is pan something else. So they're the same genus, different species. Okay. Bonobos are much less aggressive than chimpanzees. Right. There's this crazy Nat Geo article, if you ever want to read it, about how bonobos use sex to communicate. And the our author goes into like how they like scissor each other and stuff. It's, it's wild. Wait, didn't Tarzan have a chimp, a pet chimp? Cheetah, yeah, I think right? he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another. Oh, one. there you go. That's mine. Okay, perfect. <laughs> how about you, Wes? So mine is uh, Ham, who was the the <laughs> chimp that we launched into space. <laughs> in, so cool. Uh, either the fifties or the sixties. Uh, he was an astro chimp, is what they called him. He's a hero. And he I actually survived. Like a lot of the animals they launched into space didn't survive. And they taught him how to flip levers. Was this before a human had been in space? Yeah. So he was the first primate ever launched into space. Uh, we count as primates. He's like <laughs> the first like 
alive thing that's ever gone to space and come back. I think Besides so. Besides like a plant or something. I don't know if any of the rats or dogs or anything came back. Oh, uh, yeah. Because they launched those first. But he came back. And then... <laughs> he could like do levers and Yeah, stuff they and... like taught him how to do levers in space. That was like his mission. <laughs> but he came back and then they put him in this facility, like a rescue facility with a bunch of other chimps. And I just imagine him being like... Oh. Guys, yeah, <laughs> you'll never. You guys believe. are not gonna believe where I've been. They should have made him a hero. Well, he kind of is. They give statue? him a parade. I'm sure there's statues for him and okay. stuff. Yeah, okay. he's kind of a hero. So those are our favorite chimps. Uh, okay, so our next category, uh, the always entertaining. Let's ask Jeff and Mike what you guys would do if you were attacked by a chimp in the wild. So I Jeff? feel like I always start. Mike, okay, Mike. Start. So my idea—it's a bad idea, guys. I'm gonna apologize in advance, but I was gonna say, um, feed it a plantain because it'll think it's a banana, and that's as far as my idea got. <laughs> okay. All right. We're, I'm not gonna comment right. on it yet, Jeff. Uh, yeah. So mine—you showed us like the sign for hug. You put your arms on your chest like this. Yeah, for a So I would face up this wild chimpanzee, sign language hug. It comes up to me, gives me a hug. I lift its arm up, sneak around it, grab it by the waist, suplex Suplex. behind me. (laughs) It's out. Okay. Yeah. So we've got got a plantain and a suplex. (laughs) Uh, Again, I don't know a ton about what you're supposed to do. But I do know that those are both bad ideas. Uh, the plantain, especially because that's well, I don't know if it's a bad idea. But well, they, the plantain—it's raw. They Keep that eat, in mind. They and those eat are gross. Plantains, like oh, they, eat they pretty much any kind of fruit and they can find in the learned, forest. They're gonna want more food after you feed. So it. maybe it's not the worst idea because I'll just bring might, in one of those cakes. Then it might just be looking for food, and you hand it food, and it might you know be done. So maybe that's actually not a terrible idea. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. The suplex idea is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) They definitely are a lot stronger than us, and they can just rip your face apart with their hands, as we've learned. So I think the main thing from what I've read is, again, having like a a human man with you in your group is really important. And then as far as what you can do if you're actually being attacked, I couldn't really find anything that great. You're trying to stay upright. If you have any kind of weapon, you should use it. But a lot of the stuff I read said, like, the more you kick and fight back, the harder they fight back. So really, it seems like it's just a losing battle. Again, if there's someone out there that knows better, please write in, let us know. But I think the main thing with them is just avoiding it in the first place. It's kind of like our great white, where once it's happening, you don't have a lot of recourse if you don't have, like, a pretty serious weapon. Um but again, these attacks are really, really rare. They hardly ever happen. When they do happen, they're usually on children. Um, and yeah, so just be really careful if you're ever around chimpanzees. Okay, so Jeff. Yeah. Do you have some listener questions I for us? I have some listener questions. We'll go with Ashley. What animal looks relatively harmless but can actually cause a lot of damage? This is a question for me? Yes. Uh, a chimpanzee. Oh wow! Look at that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Honestly, like that's the one I think of, or like a monkey, because they're just so strong and they have like pretty crazy teeth, and we always just associate them with being really nice animals, but they're actually like really powerful. All right, um, Mike. Yeah. 
If you could have a body part ripped off by an animal, <laughs> which animal and which body part? So, uh, this is from my friend Seth. Well, there's it's a let's, lot of let's switch could with had to have. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> ripped off. Yeah, yeah that seems a little like, too. Seems like there's some hands have to be involved then. Not necessarily. Well, I guess not. It could be a mouth or something. Yeah. I, I'll just go with nose. You can still procreate with one testicle, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. A single testicle. Yeah. All right. Clean rip from like a... I can't believe that's what you picked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's that is it. shocking to me. <laughs> oh. I'd go with an ear. Yeah, I'm losing like my pinky finger or something, <laughs> not my oh, wait, testicle. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's no, your answer. No, we're done. Um, Wes. Yeah. Uh, from Christina, who do you think would win between a bull shark and a salt saltwater croc? Uh, thanks for the question, Christina. I think that really depends on the size of both of them. If we're talking like max size for bull shark and max size for saltwater croc, I'm gonna put my money on the saltwater croc because they can get to be like 23 feet long, and I think a bull shark is gonna grow to be like maybe 12 to 15 feet long. And crocodiles are just a a bigger, kind of more impressive animal. Okay. So this one is from Maris. I'm guessing Marissa, maybe. What's the most aggressive animal and why? Ooh, um, the most aggressive animal. I, you know what, from my personal experience, the most aggressive animal I think I've ever encountered is probably a sloth bear. And that's just because huh. they are they cohabitate with tigers and they're smaller and they just really have to like be super aggressive to survive. Um, otherwise, tigers will kill them. And so they're really hyper aggressive. They're responsible for the most uh, attacks in all the bear species. But that's there's so many animals out there. It's hard to to come up with a good answer. What's the is it like the honey badger being super aggressive? Remember that thing from a while ago? Yeah, is that I a think thing? I think it's mostly that they're just like so sturdy. Oh, like they don't, they're carefree. Kind yeah, of nothing project. really hurts them, but they're not like overly aggressive. I was thinking maybe an ant. Yeah, I mean, like the second an ant gets on you, it bites. It you. bites you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they don't. They're not afraid to get on you. They're That's trying true. to get yeah. to you every time they can. Right. Okay. That's um, a good answer. And. So I think that's it for questions. Uh, we got a couple more categories. First, how are we messing things up for chimpanzees? Um, the main thing is habitat fragmentation, habitat loss, and poaching. Uh, they're on the IUCN list. They're classified as endangered. There are like, from what I read, there's like 170,000 to 300,000 of them. They live in really remote places, so we don't have a great number. So there's a lot of them still, but there used to be like over a million. So they've definitely been drastically reduced. And the places where they live, we're losing those habitats really quickly. So that's the main thing is just that's habitat loss. I mean, that's kind of what a lot of our animals, yeah. it's habitat loss. But they are hunted too, and there's a few other things. Okay, where can you see them? There's three main countries, Uganda, Rwanda, and Tanzania. Um, and there's places that you can go and like go on a little tour where you, it's kind of like people that go and see gorillas. You can hike up and see chimpanzees too. And you'll be with a guide that kind of knows what to do. Probably knows a lot better than me on what you're supposed to do if one becomes aggressive. And there's a slight chance you can find Mo out in the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're in the San Bernardino Mountains. He'll have all his little stuff. 
Totally uh, he'll watch TV with you and just be like the chillest chimp that you ever could imagine. Okay, so our final question, um, our final category. Do we like this animal? Let's start with Jeff. Uh, yeah, I like it. I mean, I really like in commercials or movies <laughs> when a chimpanzee is wearing people clothes and has a baseball cap on. Okay. I think it's really cute. Yeah. So I guess my answer to this would be if it's wearing people's clothes and a backwards hat, it's probably in my top 10 favorite animals. Wow. But if it's not, then it's probably like number 30 or 40. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll go next. So I have a complicated relationship with chimpanzees because of that show that I watched when I was a kid. Mm. They became kind of a really scary animal to me. And I do, I love all animals. I would be absolutely thrilled to see a chimpanzee in the wild. They're, they're like pretty, I, again, like this is on a list of animals that I love because I love them all. They're lower on that list. Uh, I, they're one of the few animals that kind of induce a little bit of terror in me. And I think they're really cute when they're babies, when they get a little older, because I know what they can do. They kind of freak me out a little bit. So they're pretty low for me, oh, what a, but I do still love them. Kind so of an upset doesn't here. Like, um, he hates Mike. them. I do That's like them. I did not see that coming <laughs> at all. Uh, I'm actually kind of in the same boat. So it's not that I dislike them, but when I see apes, I kind of get something akin to the Uncanny Valley effect going on, and it's just a little too creepily close to like a human-like kind of animal Mm -hmm. that I know could just totally kill me. Yeah. So they creep me out a little bit, but you throw that backwards hat on them. It's sad. (laughs) It makes such a difference. Yeah. So I don't, and I don't feel that way about the other apes. Like I love orangutans. I love gibbons are like one of my favorite animals, but something about chimpanzees and bonobos just kind of gives me the willies a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that, like, I think they're a bad animal. Some of them will take your willies. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're an incredible animal, and we've definitely taken advantage of them in a lot of pretty terrible ways. But there's something about them that kind of is scary to me. Yes. It's them eating that monkey alive. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's pretty much it for chimpanzees. We'll probably come back to them at some point. Again, we love animals. We just want the best for them possible. The show is designed to make you guys like animals, not to be afraid of them. But if anyone ever has a pet chimpanzee, don't get close to it. Probably don't even go in their house. All right. You guys got anything else you want to add? Uh, I think that's good. Okay. Thanks for listening, right. guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. Listening. Write in if you got any questions or yeah. any suggestions or anything like that. Also, make sure to rate and subscribe. And sponsor. And sponsor, sponsor us. us. Uh, it us really does money. make sponsoring does help us, of course. But those <laughs> things really do help us out, and uh, we appreciate all of you. And cool. we love you. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> See you guys. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. 
Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.